This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. The Bigger Picture on BFM 89.9, the business station. Welcome to Front Row Under the MCO with me, T. Shao Ik and Juliet Jacobs. This is the show where we present our recommendations for arts, culture and entertainment that you can experience right from your own home during this stay-at-home period. First up today, we have for you a ballet production of a children's folktale, Peter and the Wolf. So as part of the UK Royal Opera House's Our House to Your House series, they are streaming the Royal Ballet and the Royal Ballet School's performance of Peter and the Wolf. So this was a uh, recording that was originally originally made in 2010 and is available to watch on demand until the 26th of April. So it's basically here to keep you company almost till the end of our MCO. That's right. And Peter and the Wolf is typically performed as a symphony by an orchestra. So the addition of a uh, you know ballet choreography to it, performed by children no less, mm-hmm. really makes this especially charming. So the story is about Peter, a boy who is wandering through the forest where he observes a a duck and a bird squabbling <laughs> and a cat waiting to pounce on them. And Peter's grandfather admonishes him for wandering into a place where a wolf might attack and makes him return home. And from that safe place, um, sure enough, Peter soon sees a wolf arrive at the scene. Yes, and the wolf, well, wolfs down the duck <laughs> and then threatens the bird and the cat. So Peter sneaks back outside and manages to catch the wolf with the help of the bird and a rope. When hunters arrive on the scene, anxious to kill the wolf, Peter actually urges them to let the animal be taken to a zoo instead. And as they all head off in happy procession, (laughs) the duck can be heard quacking inside the wolf's stomach for, in his hurry, the wolf had swallowed her whole. (laughs) And, uh, well, in some, I suppose, more sanitised versions of this story, um, in more modern retellings, the ending is actually changed to a slightly happier one where the wolf regurgitates the duck and she comes back out again. (laughs) Lovely imagery there. Um, um, Peter and the Wolf, Opus 67, which has been described as a symphonic fairy tale, was composed by Russian composer Sergei Prokofiev back in 1936. And he had been working on his stunning ballet score for Romeo and Juliet at the time when he also happened to bring his children along to some of the events at the Moscow Children's Theatre. And uh, then the director of the theatre invited him to write something for them and Prokofiev, uh, Prokofiev, sorry, quickly accepted. And it only took him about, you know, two weeks to finish the piece. Mm. One week to compose and another week to do the orchestration. Amazing. Yeah. Um, and uh, what has made this piece endure over the decades is not only its theatrical storytelling, but also how Prokofiev used the narration as an introduction to the sounds of the orchestra. So he wrote different themes for each character uh, and gave them a sort of individual instrumental characterizations, uh, which you then hear being repeated throughout the story as each character makes their appearance. Um, So here's how the story starts. This is the story of Peter and the wolf. It's a musical story where each character is represented by a different instrument of the orchestra. The bird by the flute. The duck by the oboe. (laughs) 
the cat by the clarinet. The Wolf by Three Horns. Peter, our hero, by the strings of the orchestra. Grandfather by the bassoon. The hunter's rifle shots by the timpani and the bass drum. So that clip was taken from the Royal Ballet production, that's the one that we are recommending to you, uh, which was narrated by actor-dancer Will Kemp, who himself is pretty camp in this role with his <laughs> glittery blue streaked hair and purple velvet cape. And he also plays the role of the grandfather <laughs> with the cape. <laughs> Lovely. Um, this ballet version was choreographed by Matthew Hart for students at the Royal Ballet School in 1995. And from the first performance, uh, the invention, detail and the sheer energy of Hart's choreography was critically acclaimed. Hmm. He conceived the work so that it would involve as many of the young dancers as he could. Um, so what you'll see is the young dancers becoming part of the scenery, not as wallflowers, but actually bringing the meadow, you know, and the pond and the forest hmm. to life. And the costumes are vibrant, colourful and, you know, very cleverly designed while the green and yellow tinted lights create the illusion of sunlight through leaves. And at just a little over 30 minutes, the production is really fun and simple one to watch with your kids at home, even if you're not typically a fan of ballet. Mm. But if you're a fan of contemporary dance instead and you want to twist on this story, the Sydney Opera House, uh, that's our other recommendation uh, in line with this story, um, they are streaming The Wolf and Peter. So ah. that's a real twist there, right? The Wolf and Peter by the Kush Came Dance Theatre and that's starting tomorrow, the 17th of April. So this theatrical production is told through the eyes of the wolf instead. But um, it also looks to be a pretty engaging and entertaining um, show and you can stream that from sydneyoperahouse.com. And over the decades, the work um, has been performed by virtually every orchestra and conductor and has also attracted an endless list of um, narrators, including some very big names. You know, there's Sting has done it, um, David Bowie, Patrick Stewart, Sean Connery, mm. uh, Richard Attenborough, uh, Leonard Bernstein and many others. And we have to give special mention to the version performed by the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra and narrated by Australia's Dame Edna Average, you know, mm -hmm. aka Barry Humphreys, of yes. course. And here's her unmistakable voice in this scene between the birds and the duck. See, the duck, the little bird, flew down upon the grass, settled next to the duck, and shrugged her shoulders. What kind of a bird are you if you can't fly, said the bird. And what 
kind of a bird are you if you can't swim, said the duck, and dived into the pond. <laughs> I love that one. Yeah. And here's David Bowie narrating for the Philadelphia Orchestra, conducted by Eugene Ormandy. And the version was recorded back in 1978. In a twinkling, the cat climbed up into the tree. The duck quacked and in her excitement jumped out of the pond. But no matter how hard the duck tried to run, she couldn't escape the wolf. He was getting nearer, nearer, catching up with her. And then he got her and with one gulp swallowed her. <laughs> so, so dramatic and so emotive the yeah. music is you know really I mean we're both just sitting here like getting tenser and, and tenser is pounding yeah. actually <laughs> <laughs> and of course you know no children's fairy tale can be complete without a Walt Disney version and that animated short film was released back in 1946 uh, which is an engaging cartoon sort of you know a bit rem- reminiscent of uh, Disney's Fantasia style yeah so the Disney version one is obviously quite light hearted um, the look of it is very uh, I guess that uh, it brings to mind the typical Russian folktale uh, uh, kind of feel, right. a little Russian boy. But of course, this kind of material is perfect for Disney, isn't it? A child and his woodland friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they treat it very well. I, I have not watched that version for a long time. Uh, but in uh, revisiting this uh, story, I, I uh, caught some clips of it and it's fun. I think yeah. I would like to introduce this to my son. Um, my son has... Um, we've we've uh, We stumbled across the uh, Dame Edna uh, recording with the Melbourne uh, Symphony Orchestra. Right. We had been playing that to him and he loves that beginning the the, the narration of each animal uh-huh. and their musical instruments. And I think for kids, it's, it's a nice way um, to not only introduce them to musical instruments, um, but to show how different sounds uh, can carry. Like you said, it, it's very emotive, right? Yeah, yeah. The and flute is so tweety. Yeah. <laughs> the timpani is so, you know, pounding. Yes, that's right. And, yeah. and it really like, um, I guess then they learn how music really complements the story as well, you know, and gives them a deeper appreciation for that as well. That's right, yeah. So, well, there's clearly no shortage of ways to enjoy this, uh, what's actually a simple tale of a boy in the woods with his animal friends but you know you can start with the Royal Opera House's offering head over to their YouTube channel uh, you can watch it anytime from now until the 26th of April we'll be back after a quick break with our second rec- recommendation but we'll leave you first with the procession from the Royal Ballet and the Royal Ballet School's performance of Peter and the Wolf and now imagine the triumphant procession Our hero at the head. 
by the hunters leading the wolf. Chara Falsafa Malayu, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Front Row under the MCO. I'm T. Shao Ik with Juliet Jacobs. And this is the show where we give you our pick of um, performances that you can catch at home during this movement control order period. You know, when everything's gone kind of silent, um, but there's still lots to keep you entertained at home. So for our second recommendation of the day, if you're a fan of tales of pirates in the search for lost treasure, or if you love Robert Louis Stevenson's uh, Treasure Island, you're in for a treat because that's the next play that will be broadcasted as part of National Theatre at Home, which is the theatre's initiative to screen some of their productions on YouTube for free during the lockdown caused by COVID-19. So the 2014 staging of Treasure Island is not yet up on the National Theatre's YouTube channel, but it will premiere at 2am Malaysian time tomorrow on the 17th of April and will remain available until 2am on the 24th of April. So there's plenty of time to catch it. All you have to do is search for National Theatre on YouTube and uh, you'll see their channel pop up right at the top. Yeah, and for about the book, Stevenson wrote uh, Treasure Island in 1881 mm. and is also, I mean, he's also known for several other famous novels such as The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and Kidnapped. And for those mm. of you who are unfamiliar with the original story of Treasure Island, it's a tale of murder, money and mutiny set in the days of sailing ships and pirates. <laughs> <laughs> and the story starts when an old sailor named Billy Bones finds his way to an inn along the English coast and tells the inn keeper's son, Jim Hawkins, to look out for a one-legged seafaring man. Ooh. And uh, when Billy suddenly dies and the inn is attacked by pirates, Jim manages to run away with his mother, taking with him some of Billy's belongings. And amongst these items, he finds a treasure map which shows the location where the infamous Captain Flint had buried stolen treasure. I can't help it. I have to do the voice somehow. <laughs> <laughs> with the R's. R, mighty. So after Jim shows the map to the local physician, Dr. Livesey, and the district squire, John Trelawney, an expedition is set up and Jim is invited along on their quest to seek the buried treasure. So the squire buys a ship called the Hispaniola and they set off with a crew led by the respected Captain Smollett. But what they didn't realise was that much of the crew were pirates who served under Captain Flint. I feel like I'm reading to my daughter here. Uh, (laughs) Including the leader of the pirates, a one-legged man called Long John Silver. And the drama continues as they arrive on the island and Jim finds new friendship with another character who has been marooned on the island for years. Mm. So will, will the pirates get their hands on the treasure? What will happen to Jim and his friends? Well, you could read the book to find out or you can also watch the play staged by the National Theatre 
Heute that again, as you mentioned, will be airing on YouTube starting tomorrow. So this version was adapted for the stage by Brioni Lavery and produced and directed by Polly Finley, which initially ran from December 2014 to April 2015. So Lavery and Finley wanted to redress the gender balance of the original story while still preserving the excitement of it. So while Jim Hawkins uh, is still the central character of the story, the character is now an androgynously tomboyish girl played by Patsy Fern, who is in constant rebellion against uh, easy classification and stereotypes. So here's a taste of that from the play where Captain Smollett tells off Jim for holding onto the map. Cabin boy! Girl! Maps are for men, not girls. Galley, help the cook. Billy! I am quite of the squire's thinking. I hate the captain deeply. Oh! Maps are for men, not girls. Billy! <laughs> Cooking. I might as well be at home. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're right there. Um, from the trailers that the national, um, the, sorry, that the national theatre has released, it also shows a beautifully designed set and costume. Uh, and costumes, the revolving stage is set up to look like different parts of a ship, mm. which then alters to reflect a beehive of cabins within the ship. And the crew is seen busily moving about the ship, getting ready for the adventure ahead of them, hauling up the sails and climbing the masts. And here's another clip from the play where the ship's crew is getting the Hispaniola ready to sail. Once they set off on the Hispaniola, Jim begins to form a friendship of sorts with one of the crew, that pirate Long John Silver. Just that that name is uh, <laughs> just set the tone, right? I think that and uh, perhaps uh, um, Captain Bluebeard. Am, am I getting it right or Blackbeard? Just, I always get confused. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's just uh, embedded in our memories when we talk about pirates. That's right. Oh, the, that one-legged seafarer. Yes, that's, that's the right. classic one. So Silver, who is played by Arthur Darville, teaches Jim how to navigate based on the stars and how to recognise the constellations. And in these scenes, um, in the play itself, the night sky is seen peppered with stars, similar to what might see on the nights um, spent on a ship uh, sailing across the vast oceans. So, um, here's a clip of Silver with Jim. All these stars and shapes is moving, Jim. Save one immovable star, which, which Long John Saucepan will lead you to. Now, 
Imagine that you're lifting this handle like you're pouring stew. Mm -hmm. Now, see the side that the stew pours out? Yes, two bright stars. Now, get the distance between them in your big brain. Yes. And count how many of that distance up to the very brightest star. One, two, three, four, five. Bright, bright star. North Star. Polaris. The one constant, immovable star. Like Grandma. Named hereafter, Grandma. <laughs> She's the head of all constellations. Uh, like Hercules, the hero. There's Perseus, Auriga, Cepheus, Lyra, Ursa Minor, little bear. Now for the magic. We use all of this to find out where we are on this dark, empty sea. So that's a nice little clip that almost shows Long John Silver in this sort of mentor mm. um, position to Jim, uh, sort of teaching him the ways, or her rather, the ways of the life. Um, I can't wait to watch the whole play, actually. Um, the book itself is a distant memory for me. <laughs> I can't even remember reading it. Reading I know it. I had to for school, but mm-hmm. I can't remember it yes. at all. Yeah. But I just love the fact of uh, them changing uh, the gender of the characters because so many of these tales uh, are these kinds of boys' adventure tales. And of course, uh, written in those times, it makes sense. Um, but, you know, it's nice... Uh, for girls to be able to see um, that they have a place, that they are represented right. uh, in stories like this and they can have adventures too. And it, because... The, maps. <laughs> yeah, and because the character I think here is made sort of androgynous, right? So it doesn't sort of alienate the boys in mm-hmm. that sense. You know, yes. um, they can see whoever they want to see in the character, I suppose. Yes, that's right. And, and uh, it's just a part of this bigger conversation, I guess, about, um, you know, not... Um, pigeonholing, I guess, uh, children into genres that mm-hmm. are specific to boys and to girls. Right. And we've talked about this so many times before on um, our other shows as well. Toys, books, um, um, clothes. colors, clothes, yeah. Uh, and all everything that feeds into the gender stereotypes. And yes, at the end of the day... Um, it's just a simple tale of adventure, friendship, um, you know, finding your way. And I don't see why girls can't enjoy that as well. Yeah, and I'm sure they do. I mean, for my daughter, for example, I know she loves anything to do with, you know, pirates and treasure, lost treasure. Oh, I really? think it's always something that's fascinating to mm. them, um, to, to my daughter, especially. Um, so she's constantly trying to have like, you know, treasure hunts in the house, oh. especially since, you know, Easter just passed, you know, we had to have one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but there's always some such a sense of excitement, right, when you're in search of something and especially when there's the mystery and the sort of the drama surrounding mm. with the pirates, you know, it just kind of adds to the, the atmosphere. That's true. So, um, well, for your daughter, perhaps uh, you could uh, consider one of the many adaptations of Stevenson's original tale. Um, I would recommend The Muppet Treasure Island. Oh, my favourite. <laughs> yeah, so this one was released back in 1996. It looks a little bit dated, but it's still a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, that was released by Disney as well. Um, and it stars the Muppets as the main characters. Uh, there are um, sort of live actors as well. And then the pirates 
Pirates are the Muppets. Um, I vaguely remember Kermit the Frog as Captain Smollett. He was. He, he was, was indeed. <laughs> of course, he had to be the hero, right? And yeah. yeah. Um, and I think there's all, it's also been adapted for television, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. I think the BBC actually adapted it into a TV series multiple times over the years. Mm. Um, another remake of Treasure Island on an episode of Alvin and the Chipmunks oh. is available, if you know that's <laughs> more, your, more your jazz. Mm. And Star's drama series Black Sails was said to be a prequel to the events of the book. Mm. And um, I think there's also several theatre adaptations where Treasure Island has been staged as plays and musicals. So yeah. there's lots of offerings out there. There was a bit of a cult movie um, offering by Disney um, in 2002. It was an animated version. It's called Treasure Planet, actually. And it reimagined many of the characters as aliens and robots. Um, I remember So that. it flopped at the box office, but you know some people who love it, they really love it. So yeah, I guess it's, uh, it's an acquired taste if, if you <laughs> want to see pirates as aliens and robots that might be your thing. Well, I think I've heard that, you know, people just, it, it didn't, like you say, you know, it tanked at the box office, right? But then people just loved it after. It's <laughs> strange. That's, that's, that's the thing about cult, cult uh, movies. Hits, yeah. yeah. Um, and it, it's uh, it's a reminder, I think, that Stevenson's story is versatile enough to be reimagined in many ways. Mm-hmm. And the themes are quite evergreen. That's right. Yeah, yeah. A, a story about pirates and lost treasure, like you said, it never gets old, does it? Yeah, and I mean, who doesn't want to, you know, run around with the patch on their eye, <laughs> uh, you know, with the fake sword? And it, for us, you know, it gave us a lot of chance to make props from stuff that we had at home, yeah. you know, just mm. to do our own our own staging. So who plays the pirate? My husband, of course. Uh-huh, of course, <laughs> I can totally see it. <laughs> the rest of the heroes, I was, what was I? I was just some, I was just a background person. No, all, not the parrot perched on the no, pirate's shoulder. No, just the background. <laughs> I think you need to change that, okay? Um, Well, if you do want to catch uh, this play, you can do so on the National Theatre's YouTube channel. Like we said, it will premiere tomorrow, Malaysian time at 2am, and you can stream it until 2am on the 24th of April. So that's all the time we have for Front Row under the MCO today. If you missed any part of the show, you can listen to the podcast on bfm.my, on our BFM app, or on Spotify. Coming up at 1pm, it's Daryl Ong and Hanif Baharudin taking you through the midday music machine but for now we leave you with a snippet of a song inspired by lyrics from treasure island this is yo ho ho and a bottle of rum by craig tongate On a dead man's chest Yo, ho, ho, and a bottle of rum Can the devil be done for the rest Yo, ho, ho, and a bottle of rum The mate was fixed by the bosun's pike The bosun brained with a marlin spike And the cookie's throat was marked belike It had been gripped by fingers tin And there they lay all good dead men Like break up day in a snoozing den Yo, ho, ho, and a bottle of rum Fifteen men of them stiff and stark Yo, ho, ho, and a bottle of rum Ten of the crew had the murder mark Yo, ho, ho, and a bottle of rum Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.